You can find Matt Sells over at Fantasy Alarm. Sounds like he's uh, on daddy duty today as well, as well as fantasy duty. Matt, thanks for coming on the show. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, too. And, yes, I am on daddy duty at the moment and talking baseball and NASCAR. So, a lot going on today. I know. You you won the uh, FSTA award last year for uh, best NASCAR rider. The only problem is I know nothing about it, so it's really hard for me to ask you. Just feed me the questions <laughs> next time, and then I'll... I'll ask them to you the right way. Uh, you know, Matt, you know, for us, you know, you and I are big baseball fans and big fantasy baseball fans. And so what I tried to do on Monday and Tuesday of this show was just enlighten people to the possibilities of which players drafted could have a fantasy baseball impact in the future. And the reason why, Matt, is because I feel like at least give people some name recognition of who these players are. So when they're potentially available to you in dynasty leagues or even redraft leagues, you can remember and say, oh, I recall when Craig or Matt or anyone else talked about them. So uh, I would just I'm curious your general overview from a fantasy perspective, how you covered it for fantasy alarm and what you thought of it, at least initially uh, overview wise. So I did pick by pick analysis of the first 41 picks. Yes, that seems like an odd number, but it's basically every pick before the second round actually started. Um, and I tried to break down the guys, you know, is how scouts see them, and then also kind of fit in comps, because everybody loves those comps. And then, you know, kind of talk a little bit about fantasy value. It's a little tricky to do that with guys that are getting drafted this year, because for the most part, you're not going to see them in a major league stadium for like at least two years. So the fantasy value is a little tricky, but there are guys at the top that will have more immediate fantasy value than guys getting drafted even further down in the first round and then, you know, rounds two through 40. Yeah, I, I think that for me, Matt, when I look at it, you know, the first pick is, is always the one that gets the most attention. And so we can kind of start off with that. Uh, Adley Rutschman, the catcher. He was the first catcher to go first overall since Joe Maurer. And then the second pick in the draft was Bobby Witt Jr. And I, it's, I think it's clear to everybody that Witt Jr. may have the highest ceiling of anyone in the draft in terms of both reality and fantasy, but we ain't going to see him for like three years. So let's talk about Rutschman and if there was anyone else that was taken early enough for you that you think we could see, let's say, Matt, in two or three years. Who are those players? Uh, so I think you're right on Bobby Wood Jr. I think he's got higher ceiling than some of the other guys taken in the top five. There was an interesting comp made actually by Jim Callis during the draft. He comped Bobby Witt Jr. to Patrick Mahomes in the excitement level that he can bring to the field that he's playing on. Bobby Witt Jr. is that good. Uh, getting to Adley Rutschman, I think right now, as he enters the minors, I think he's the best catching prospect in baseball. Uh, he's a masterful defensive catcher, but he's also got a serious bat. Uh, I've been comping him to the defense of Buster Posey, you know, when Buster Posey was fully healthy and not like 35 years old. And a bat that's similar to Gary Sanchez. I think that's the kind of package you're getting in Rutschman. But he is a catcher, and catchers usually take a little longer to develop than other guys. So I think it's still going to be two years for Rutschman. If we're talking guys at the top of the first round that you could see sooner rather than later, I actually think the guy that went by number three, Andrew Vaughn, mm -hmm. is the first bat to arrive in the majors from this class because he's that polished. Uh, he doesn't have that much 
learning to do in the minors. He saw pretty good stuff in the Pac-12. Uh, and let's face it, the White Sox are rebuilding. They want young guys up sooner rather than later. And Jose Abreu's not getting any younger. So you've got Vaughn, who's going to replace Jose Abreu. I think he's up at the start of maybe 2021. I think mm-hmm. it's that fast for Andrew Vaughn. Yeah, that he's an interesting name, and I know a lot of teams wanted him. Uh, people feel like he is the most polished bat and the safest bat in the first uh, 10 picks or so. The Marlins ended up taking Matt J.J. Blade from Vanderbilt, left-handed hitter who leads all of college baseball in home runs, and, and Vanderbilt's still in the college uh, baseball playoff in the World Series that's going on coming up this weekend. Were there any other offensive players that you saw taken in the first round that could be of that pedigree in the first five or six picks, or was that it for you? Uh, it was kind of a top-heavy offensive uh, draft. I mean, obviously, it made history the first round did because it started with six straight position players, which has never happened before. There's always a pitcher taken to the top six picks until this year. Uh, but J.J. Blade, as I've talked to you about on Twitter, I think he's a phenomenal outfield bat. I think the, the power plays. Uh, the 26 or 25 home runs he hit in the regular season is not a fluke. He's got a swing that will produce that kind of power, even in pitcher-friendly Marlins Park. Uh, so, you know, the top four or five guys, I think, were the cream of the crop in terms of bats. And, and really big fantasy impact. That's not to say that other guys can't develop into that, but those are immediate fantasy impact kind of guys in you know two years or so. Matt Sells is with us from Fantasy Alarm, and we're talking about the 2019 first-year player draft in Major League Baseball, which just ended, and kind of going through some of the fantasy players that could come out of that. Uh, moving on to pitching, this was a little bit different of a draft. Sometimes we see guys, as you mentioned, Matt, in the first five, and even a college pitcher like Casey Mize, who was taken last year, is phenomenal this year. Looks like next year he could be in the big leagues. That's pretty quick. I don't really see anyone, though, in, in the first 15 or 20 picks that I think can be that. Were, were there anyone even in in college or high school that you saw taken in the first two rounds that if you're in a dynasty league you would uh, lock into and say, give me this guy for the future? Um, there are a couple of guys. Yeah, they went, they went later in the first round. Uh, the first pitcher off the board was Nick, uh, Lodolo out of TCU. I think he's a serviceable major league pitcher. I think he's a number three starter that doesn't get anybody terribly excited for fantasy because it's all about the number ones and number twos. Uh, then you got, um, Jackson Rutledge was the pick of the nationals who I actually think right now has the best stuff of any pitcher in the draft right now, if we're talking that. Uh, so I think he could be a pretty quick mover. He was a Juco arm with not a whole lot of innings on him. Um, so obviously as a Nats fan, I like that pick, but I do think overall, fantasy-wise, he's got value. The best guy, I think, in the draft was taken by the Indians at 22 or 23 in uh, Daniel Espino. Uh, his stuff is absolutely filthy. He's a high school arm, so there's a lot of projectability left. But I think a comp for him realistically is Pedro Martinez or uh, Jose Fernandez. Wow. I think realistically that's what we're looking at in that kid's stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Rob Friedman, the pitching ninja on Twitter, has been saying for months how unfair it is that high school players have to face this guy on a regular basis. Um, so I think the Indians got a big-time steal with that guy. Um, the only reason he dropped that low is because of signability concerns, and some teams don't like drafting high school arms because they get a little iffy. Uh, but, yeah, in terms of that, he now let's be fair, he's not going to be up for three or four years because he is a high school guy. Uh, but in terms of if you're looking for the next future ace from this draft, I think it's Espino. All right. Well, listen, Matt, the thing is, is that for people who are playing – in these deeper leagues, in these dynasty leagues, once the players get to uh, their, once they sign with their major league teams, then at that point you can start taking them. And so the conversation, while it may not be relevant in fantasy for a couple of years, it's good to get the names out there and understanding who these players are. Matt Sells is with us. Okay, so the last uh, question on the draft here, is there a player or two that was taken that we're not talking about at all that we should be and should have on our radar for the future? Either one or two players, either a hitter or a pitcher. You mentioned Espino, so that's a good one. Is there anyone else that that should be considered a future star in fantasy? Yeah, I think I want to toss out there uh, Matthew Allen. He's a, prep, he's a prep pitcher, arguably the best prep pitcher in the draft. He was taken by the Mets in the middle of the second round. Uh, there are some signability questions because he does have a pretty big-time commitment to Florida in place, so they're going to have to buy him out of that if they want him. But the Mets have a pretty good history of developing very good young pitchers, if you've taken note of their World Series runs and playoff runs the last few years. So he's a guy that's worthwhile watching if he signs with the Mets, which we'll know shortly. And then um, the Yankees took a, a shortstop in the first round. His last name is Wolpe. I'm blanking on his first name. Um, he's a high school shortstop who doesn't wow you overall with his pack, you know, with his tools right now. But there's a lot of the, you know, there's a lot of projectability left, and he's going to hit for average. He's got very good speed, and there's some pop in there. He could wind up being a 15 homer guy, which at shortstop is still, you know, pretty respectable. So again, the Yankees are going to have to buy him out of a commitment to Vandy. Um, but if he signs. He could be worthwhile watching because the Yankees are a little thin at the shortstop spot. Yeah, 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 and and it, and it looks like that's a, a key player to to keep an eye on as we move forward. Oh, and another guy. I'll toss out another guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Shea Langoliers, a catcher, yeah, catcher. who's taken yeah. out of uh, Baylor, mm-hmm. who a lot of teams actually think of, is better defensively than Adley Rutschman, um, and his pop times to it because in junior year or sophomore year he threw out 70 percent of would-be base dealers with a 1.7 to 1.8 second pop time which not to get too technical but it's basically that's the how fast the catcher gets the ball out of his glove and starts throwing it to the base right um and his bat can play so i think that langoliers who went to the braves who also by the way don't have any catching depth None. in their system yeah, uh, I think he could be up pretty quick with them as well. Yeah, they have Contreras' brother. Uh, they have Tyler Flowers. Yeah, I mean it, it would it would seem to be possible. The offense is definitely the you know questionable in terms of what he can do for fantasy. But uh, listen, if uh, if Pedro Severino, Matt, as you know, can have eight home <laughs> runs and hit three in one game, I, I think that everybody's up for discussion. Okay, so speaking of which, let's dive in a little bit 
Real quick, Matt, to the fantasy impact of Kimbrell. Uh, in the major league level, going to the Chicago Cubs, there's a report out this morning saying the Rays were the runner up there, which is crazy considering all the bullpen arms they have there with Castillo and Alvarado and Chaz Rowe. I guess they're even trying to shorten the game more, or maybe even use Kimbrel as the opener. That's nuts. So uh, <laughs> Twins were in the mix too. I mean, Kimbrel to the Cubs has to be as good a spot as any, Matt. I mean, if you're a Strope owner, you're upset. If you're a Brandon Morrow owner, you could probably cut him. But Kimbrell to Chicago, I would think, if he's right, could get you 15, 20 saves the rest of the season, no? Yeah, I mean, look at that offense and look at the offenses in the division that they play in. Every time they play the Brewers and Cardinals, it's a close game. So, I mean, it doesn't matter how many runs the offense puts up if the pitching staff's allowing as many, he's getting save chances. So, if he's right, which there's a question about because he hasn't faced major league hitting in like eight months now, um, and he did kind of tail off a little bit at the end there last year with the Red Sox. Um, he's, you know, still a premier closer. Nobody's going to challenge Kimbrell for the saves in Chicago at this point. Certainly not throw or Morrow or Ciszek or, you know, any of the other guys or Kinsler. Um, and that pen has been, it's been good of late, but it started off pretty rough. So this is going to stabilize that bullpen. Some guys are going to get rolls settled down. Uh, so, yeah, if he's for some reason still available, you need to go grab him immediately because uh, he's a bona fide closer and he ain't going to lose that job. Yeah. Are there any players right now on the radar, Matt, that you'd be targeting that are uh, rookies that are set to come up in fantasy? Because it's a completely different year. Normally around this time in a week, it's the Super 2 date. And there's usually six or seven kids that are called up, and you get the extra service time for a major league team. But we saw Keston Hira come up already. We saw Austin Riley come up already, Tatis at the beginning of the season. And so most of the elite rookies, at least that I thought would participate in baseball in June, have already been up at this point. Um, have you been scouting any minor league guys that you know of at this point, whether it's a pitcher or a hitter? that you think can have any kind of impact over the next few weeks that we can get ahead of this thing and, and get the guy now? Yeah, so there's a couple. Uh, one of them is in your neck of the woods. I've been all over Zach Gallen this year. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been, I've, I think I've written them up in four separate prospect reports. This <laughs> okay. year I do those weekly to give yep. you an idea. So we're talking he's been in roughly half of them. Um, and, you know, the Marlins need some pitching help. Yeah, they got really talented young pitchers, but they, they still need some rotation help. So I think... Gallon can be up quickly. For some reason, Jordan Alvarez hasn't been called up by the Astros, but that call-up should be imminent at this point. Uh, there's no reason to keep him down anymore. John Duplantier just got called up for the Diamondbacks. He started a couple of games. He'll be in their rotation full term. Uh, a guy that just caught my eye this week is Jack Woodard of the Cardinals. Uh, he could be a back-end rotation guy if Genesis Cabrera doesn't work out. The White Sox are probably close to calling up Dylan Cease, another pitcher, top flight arm, ace caliber stuff. Uh, so there's there's definitely some more guys. Luis Urias could be back up with the, uh, the Padres. Padres here quickly because yeah. mm-hmm. their second base position offensively is like second or third worst in baseball this year. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's still several guys that I think will be up here in the next uh, two weeks. Matt, thank you so much for coming on. A lot of good knowledge with the draft, and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Maybe we'll 
we'll enlighten some people on NASCAR if we can go that route. But congratulations on your award, and thank you for coming on the show. Really appreciate it, okay? Sure thing. All right, Matt Sells with us here on FNTSY. You can follow Matt over at Fantasy Alarm and um, does a great job there with all the writing that he does for them. And you can tell it covers basically all sports there. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at The Selzman, S-E-L-Z-M-A-N, at The Selzman. FST here on FNTSY Radio. 